You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. to Andy Kirk through ball to Mark De Vries a chance for Hearts De Vries round the keeper and that's to the net Mark De Vries 2-2 Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel Make Some Noise My name's Mark Donaldson alongside Scott McIntosh from Amoruso Let's It Run Laurie Dunsire has just finished the commentary, so once he gets back, he should be able to upload this. And Scott and I are talking about Rosenberg 2 Hearts 1. The most important thing to begin with, though, is Scarves Around the Funnel is sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who've been offering creative sign and print solution since the 1950s. So it's pretty much on the whistle reaction. I'll give my thoughts shortly. First of all, Scott McIntosh, how are you and what do you think of what you witnessed? Yeah, very good. Thanks for again for having me on there, Mark. I think in terms of that, that's sort of almost trying to prevent going into a knee-jerk reaction. I think we've been saved by the the sort of complacency of our opponents tonight rather than us sort of having any, you know, penetration or, or, or any sort of, you know, getting our foot in the ball and actually being quite positive. So I think there's a lot to take as a positive from tonight, but it's more from the performance of our opponents rather than what we've done to impact mm. on the games ourselves. So they were less shit than we were? Yeah, aye. I think that we'll probably come on and maybe talk about this a little bit, but one of the things that struck me, even in the first half, was that clearly their struggles against Crusaders was probably due to playing a team with a very sort of back-to-front style of play, I kind of feel as if, you know, I know that's not how we want to play, but sometimes you should have a bit of flexibility with your system and your philosophy, and I, I think tonight was a good opportunity for that. You could see in the second half we were starting to stretch them a little bit more, and they certainly, on an individual basis, do not look comfortable defending. As a unit, they're not too bad if they're all behind the ball, but individually speaking, there's certainly opportunities there, hopefully, for next week. Okay, let's get to the team news and the starting lineup for Hearts. We knew the three players that didn't travel weren't going to be involved, which, from a Tagawa perspective, is certainly a blow because there was no pace um, in that Hearts attack. So the lineup saw Xander Clark in goal. It was a a four-two-three-one with Natty Atkinson at right back. Now into the team came Alex Cochran, who suspended domestically instead of Stephen Kingsley and Frankie Kent and Kai Rolls were the two centre-backs. Benny Beningamy partnered Cammy Devlin as the two holding midfielders. 
And Lawrence Shankland kind of led the line with Forrest, Lowry and Oda in behind, albeit they did swap from time to time. But one or two eyes were raised at Benny Beningamy coming on because he got the last few minutes at Perth and it quickly became apparent he was miles off being ready to start a game like this. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's hard. I think one of the things I need to say in defence of the management team is that you don't know until you stick him into that situation how far off the pace he's going to be. You can watch a player day in, day out in training, you know, close doors games, maybe get him involved in a couple of young, young games, but ultimately you're not going to know until you see him in that live environment. It didn't work. It massively backfired on us in the first half, but I think... In terms of the fan base, I think we've just got to just write that one off. You know, it was a risk that didn't work. Hopefully, in the long term, it's a lesson learned for the you know for the team and for 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 Benny as well. To be fair, because it must have been difficult for him to have you know such a such a poor game on his return. But I'm not I'm not overly concerned that he looking too much into it. It's just one of those things. They tried it, it failed, and we just have to move on. Yeah, look. If Shankland hadn't scored, right, we, we could have gone out with them with both barrels. Yet the tie still wouldn't have been dead at 2-0. The tie is very, very much alive. We've got to be careful we don't fall into the um, the Hibs rant after their game in Andorra where a boo became a fucking boo. Um, because I think Hearts are now in the driving seat with the players that they've got to come back, with an opposition who... To be honest, I thought they were pretty limited. I thought they had really some one or two really good individual players. Nelson, the Canadian left winger, uh, was an excellent player. Uh, and the young kid in the middle of the park, Nipan, 16 years old, was, was outstanding. But we don't really know how good their defence was and how good their goalkeeper was because I think we had, what, two shots on target, maybe three, and we, we scored from one of them. So we've got to be careful we don't go into the both barrels. Yes, Beningamy was the wrong choice. And... Hindsight's easy. We all make the right decision after we've had a chance to to see if it worked and then decide what we should have done. Um, as far as the other uh, kind of, not changes were concerned, but Forrest started, was that a, a bit of a surprise for you or did we not really have any other options? I thought that he was potentially going to start up top and we we're going to have Shanklin playing off him. When I saw the team line up, I did comment on Twitter that I was fairly comfortable with how the team looked in terms of the, the first 11. But in my mind, what I thought they were going to do was play Shanklin in that deeper role, have Lurie coming in off the left, which I think is probably where players like him and George Grant are at the most effective. I'm not 100% convinced that you know either Lurie, Grant or Neuenhoff are capable of playing in the 10 role. I think that's really for Shanklin and Boyce to make their own this season. So it was the setup rather than the personnel that worried me once I started watching the game. We, we can all have very circular conversations with Alan Forrest in terms of his value to the team. I think he brings a lot of endeavour. I don't think he was our worst player tonight. And I think he will eventually be phased out over the coming months, providing the pe people that we've brought in stay fit and you know bring some value. But, but ultimately, I think, the, again, you know, fans, fans' prerogative with hindsight... For me, I didn't have an issue with the first 11. It was more just the way that we were set up that front four. Well, we had no pace, and he was probably the one that had most of the, the no pace. 
everybody needs a scapegoat when things are going wrong, and if, if whether it's Benny, whether it's Alan Forrest or whatever. But I read a comment about Shanklin just before he scored, incidentally, saying he looked like he's towing a caravan. Now, he's not in the shape that he was. Um, they're trying to get him into the shape that he was last season. He's hardly had any close season. He's hardly had any rest. He was away with, with Scotland. But like he did at the weekend, two things for me, like Shanklin did at the weekend, wasn't great, but still scored. And Hearts, like they did at the weekend in Perth, ended the game far better than they started the game, didn't they? Yeah, definitely. And and, and I think our biggest issue just now for me is how we're setting up in the middle of the park. Uh, I don't have huge concerns about the back four just now. I think when we get the personnel back from their, their visa issues, I think we're fine in the final third. It's getting that balance in the midfield just now. We've got, you know, on paper, we've got three or four really good central midfielders, but they've all got their little issues now, whether it be, you know, injury issues, form issues, or potentially just not getting the right balance between the two in terms of how we want to play now. I think that that sort of deep double pivot, it seemed to work under Robbie Nielsen in terms of that system, but I don't know if we've quite managed to get it in terms of how we want the fullbacks to come and inverted and, you know, the movement of the team and how we want to maybe switch play quicker, get the ball out wide quicker. So that to me, after today and last week is probably the the area that's causing most concern just now because when the ball's getting turned over, as it did do on a couple of occasions in the first half today, I don't think it was just Benny's fault. I just think, you know, Benny, Devlin, Harren, they're all capable of getting caught on the wrong side of the player just now in that transition. And that's something that will need to get addressed by the management team. I don't think 2-1 away from home is a bad result because I think it sets it up very well from a Hearts perspective, especially what we've seen. It wasn't a 2-1 going on 6-1 to them. And, and we played poor and still came away with just a one-goal deficit, which we should have a decent opportunity to overturn it. But just one final touch on, on, on the team selection. And again, it, it is with hindsight. I've got a few Rangers pals who really like Alex Lowry, but they said, not so much a show pony, but he's better at home. Home comforts and everything like that. Mum's home cooking. Away from home, in a game you want to keep the ball a little bit better, maybe he's more of an impact player. So it's going to be different in the second leg. And we'll get to that. We'll get to the Kilmarnock game as well. But if you didn't start Alex Lowry in this one and you went for more perspiration rather than inspiration, the problem was you, you've got to kind of choose between someone that might not track back as much as you would like or someone that with one pass can really open up a defence. So is that where we are with, with Alex Lowry and the harder games away from home? Yeah, I, it's hard to say after watching them just over, you know, one and a half games, so to speak. I think the, the bigger issue that I've got this evening with, with Lowry is that I would have, in terms of a player like that, again, I would have had him coming in off the left where he can play a bit more of a sort of free role. I think the problem tonight, especially with Benny being so off the pace, was that with him being that advanced midfielder, he was almost having to come back in and sort of work as a midfield free. And that wasn't working for me, which is why, again, you play him wide out on the left, you're not having to worry about that. You can almost sort of put up with him being maybe a bit more of a luxury player. He certainly has that air about him. Uh, but again, you know, I, I do think he'll have a lot to contribute to us home and away. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that with a 20-year-old, you're going to get those spells and games where he'll fall out of it, he won't get involved much. But again, I think tonight that was just... Uh, 
I think that was just indicative of, of the rest of the team not getting them involved, you know, not not yeah. being able to see that pass. There was a few occasions where Oda, Forrest, they get the ball, their heads down. They're not really playing with their head up. And again, that's something that we'll, we'll need to work on either with the individuals or by replacing them with, you know, better standard of player. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel. Make some noise, the European edition, which we started last season. And on the whistle, following every European game that Hearts play, we have a, a look back and potentially some knee-jerk reactions to what we have seen. Sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Okay, 14 minutes gone. Cammy Devlin goes into the book. Didn't think the referee was great. Um, I thought he stopped it a lot of the times. And I just, we had a couple of bookings. They should have had at least one. And was it a foul? Arguable. Was it a yellow card? Probably not. But the foul's been given. So we have to do what we have to do. Once we've conceded possession, they've got a free kick. Our shape was horrible. Natty Atkinson had pushed too far in field. Benny Beningamy, clearly not fit enough, was left to track back. It was cut back across, and Fredrickson can't really miss it. More hits him and ends up in the back of the net. From what you saw, how was that goal prevented? Yeah, it's, it's very strange. We're obviously talking about professional footballers, so I don't I don't want to sort of claim that they're at my level, but there was almost an element of sort of watching... There's a very overused phrase that I hear every Thursday night when I play a game of fives, and it's turning face. And, you know, it's just it's telling your mates, you know, OK, don't just focus on running back the way. Make sure that you're turning and facing what's in front of you because you're not playing You're not playing in the SPL. You're not going to be playing teams that will kind of play a bit of a, you know, a, a bit of a sort of direct style. They maybe won't be looking to sort of transition to play that quickly in terms of turning it over. I just felt like we got caught napping a little bit and it's not the first time I've seen the team do that. Uh, not just under, you know, McAvoy and Naismith, but also under Nielsen as well. Uh, so it was definitely preventable. I mean, in terms of the Devlin booking and the foul, it probably had a bigger impact on the game as a whole rather than on that one incident because, you know, you're nullifying what Devlin's really good at, which is kind of snarling and sort of pressing the game as high up the park as he can. And he, it really does nullify his sort of value to the team. Uh, so that really had a big impact, you know. Those It's those 50-50 calls that you sometimes get or don't get for referees that can have the bigger impact in games. And I felt like that definitely didn't help, especially given how off the pace Benny was. We were really needing Devlin to be sort of covering and sweeping for him. We've seen the type of game before. It was, it was kind of similar, and Laurie and Rob mentioned it in commentary. Um, regardless of the standard of, of, of play, the game itself apart from the goal, was kind of pretty similar to Saturday at Perth. And, and neither side really looked that threatening. And I didn't think the pace or the tempo of the game was was great, which wasn't wasn't up to us to, to try and push it. And if we had, then we might have been picked off a little bit easier. But there were also times in the first half where I thought their best player was in a white jersey playing for Hearts. Because our, our inability to play simple passes at times... Is needs to be worked on. We've we've got to be better. Simple players or players that do simple things do that well. But we have got players that give the ball away too cheaply, and and it, it wasn't great. But we never, I certainly never thought we were under that much pressure. Yeah, they had one or two moves. I thought after the first ten minutes, Scott, when they seemed to get the ball from in in the kind of six roll in front of the defence, and they got a lot of space, which we weren't closing down. I thought we were able to to narrow that gap and make it a bit tighter. And 
but it, it looked for, for so often and so long in that first half that we were going to go in 1-0 down, but we didn't, and another messy goal. Yeah, definitely, and the point you were making there about the similarities between this game and St Johnston, which you correctly pointed out that you know Robert and Laurie were alluding to as well, I think that points to a, an issue that we're going to have if Tagawa is not available. And it's an issue that we had last season when Ginelli wasn't available. You want to be able to sort of mix it up in terms of your style so that you get their backline and their sort of their midfield, their deep lying midfielders sort of having to think twice about whether they want to press or not. The problem we have just now with Shanklin being that focal point up front is that teams very quickly learn that they can maybe suffocate you in midfield and win the ball and sort of break away. And that's where Tagawa is going to be so in you know, pivotal for us this year. And it's why, again, you know, with hindsight, could we have started Forrest up top? Could we have started Oda up top? Just someone who could have maybe just broke the lines and maybe just stretched them a little bit. We could have played a bit of percentage football down either flank and just get them turning because they didn't look blessed with pace Mm, at the back. Uh, So, yeah, there was elements of that that I think you know, we can definitely learn from. In terms of the second goal, you know, game management, you know, you're you're into the final stages of the game. I don't mind seeing my team lose a a goal like that in the final minute of a match because you think, well, if you're... When you're chasing. Yeah, if you're chasing it forward and you're a goal down, fine. But in the first half of the first leg on our way tie, that's when game management needs to be a lot better. And again, I don't think that's something that the management team would have been looking for. I think that's something where certain individuals need to look at their role in that. Not just Benny, but certain others, you know, roles uh, gets kind of caught out of position. Atkinson's nowhere to be seen. So there's quite a few individuals there that need to look at themselves, not just Benny for their role in that goal. Atkinson's an interesting one because when he's gone forward in these first two games, he's been good. But defensively, at times, he's been all over the place and his distribution is poor. I think we have to work on a system whereby if we've got Atkinson playing this role and they want to get him forward, but they also want to get him forward at times into a central area, we have to have someone that knows that if he's doing that, they have to be aware and alert that they might have to get back if our ball retention isn't great and the ball, whether it's Atkinson or whoever else, gives it away. Now, when you're playing Oda in front, that's not Oda's game. So that might be something we need to think about as well. In a away game, it's different at home. We're talking about a game in Norway against a side who were favourites against us. But when you've got a right back whose game plan has been set by the management team to do that, there also has to be a plan B for if the ball is given away, then someone else has to help cover when he's gone forward. Yeah, I, f- I think Atkinson's biggest deficiency is his positioning. I yes. think in one-on-one situations, he's pretty decent. Uh, he's very brave on the ball. He's, he, you know, again, he was a great outlet for us today, even when the rest of the team weren't really performing, uh, similar to Saturday. So he's really started the, w- the season as well as he's finished last season. But again, it's it's when he's turning. You know, it, it's those sort of quick. It, again, it's the quick transition. He's one of those players who really does struggle when the team is looking to break against mm. us. And I'm always quite wary at the fact that he's the deepest player when we've got a corner kick. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but he doesn't fill me with any confidence. Not just tonight, but I, I seem to recall that game over in Zurich last season where he and Sibic were really poor in that first half, which led to the two goals. So there is a lot of evidence there to suggest that, yeah, there is things that could still potentially get worked on given his age, but he's offering us so much just now that I think the risk 
outweighs the reward with Atkinson. As much as I'd like to see us bring in another right back for for competition, yeah. uh, he's definitely probably been our best player the last two games. Half time in Trondheim, Rosenberg two hearts nil, and half time on the Make Some Noise Around the Funnel podcast. And this is where Laurie, when he gets back from Glasgow, where he did the commentary, inserts a word from our sponsors. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, second half began with Haring on for Beningamy, and that made a difference straight away, Scott. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, you know, there was a, a bit of chat about how well uh, the young lad had, had done for them in the in the first half, but I really felt that Haran came on and, and he sort of nullified the threat that he had, albeit I think there was a mixture of that and also the fact that Rosenberg decided to sit in for the majority of that half. I think they were yeah. quite happy at 2-0. You know, the game was getting played at almost a sort of exhibition sort of pace. There wasn't really much coming from either team in, in, in terms of sort of pushing the issue. Uh, so I do think, you know, Haran came on, had an impact, but just as much as that was their complacency, I feel. What did you make of, of the second half before Hearts scored? Because for those insomniacs out there, I would suggest watching this game... Um, the first half hour of the second half, because it would probably quickly put you to sleep. Were you surprised at, at the lack of tempo? And I'll, I'll, I'll preface that by saying maybe up until the 62nd minute when, when Hart started to make more changes. Yeah, I, I would have thought that the management team would have mentioned at halftime that we really needed to start turning their centre-halves and their full-backs because there was, there was definitely opportunities there to be made out of them in terms of the individual mistakes being made. But for some reason, it just didn't happen. We seemed quite passive again. We seemed to revert into that sort of style that we've been quite renowned as playing under Nielsen, particularly away from home as well. And there was a lot of sort of side to side without really having anyone that could penetrate through the middle. Uh, We then brought on Grant, and it wasn't so much that Grant done a lot more on the ball than Lowry, but I think he was taking up better positions, almost closer to Shankland than Lowry was. So I felt that when they brought Grant on, he really did play as a number 10. You know, he was almost playing just off of Shankland. He was getting into wide positions as well. And I think that was one of the catalysts for us, you know, having that strong sort of last 20 minutes or so. Now, if you weren't um, busy putting all the old hearts footage on your wonderful YouTube channel, and I decided to make you a video assistant referee, uh, 58th minute, Long ball, I think it was Cochrane in behind. First time we really got in behind them, they looked a shambles. Keeper came out, there was contact with Lowry, the defender had his eyes closed as well. Would you, as a video assistant referee, have said to the Romanian official in the middle, ooh, mister, I think that could be worth another look? Or is it a case of, look, if that had gone against us, you'd be absolutely livid? What do you think about the penalty claim? So in terms of the VAR side of it, I would have asked them to have another little look because on the first showing, it did look like there'd been a sort of a sandwich of of Lowry between the centre half and the goalie and that there'd been no contact with the ball. I think on second viewing, though, you can see that the defender does, I was going to say does his job. I mean, it's 
it's not a great job he does, but he manages to get a touch on the ball, which diverts it away from Lowry, and then it's the goalkeeper that actually makes the contact. Now, for me, that's not a penalty, but I can understand on first view and why mm-hmm. a, yeah. a decision like that should be made by VAR. I always think if you if you think it's a disgraceful decision if the opposition get it against you, hypocrisy can't then say, well, it should have been a penalty for Hearts yeah. if you're I- determined that it wasn't going to be for, for the opposition. I don't even know if it's I've seen them given. It was... It, it certainly wasn't malicious. Was there contact? Yes. But it should have been a sign for Hearts. You know what? They're there to be troubled. Um, and it, it took a little bit of time before we were able to do that. 62nd minute, double change. Grant on for Lowry. Kingsley on for Forrest. And I have to say, I, I thought we would have started with both Kingsley and Cochrane. Kingsley at left back and Cochrane further forward. We eventually got there, but it wasn't until the 62nd minute that that happened and George Grant came on and kind of played in a free role as a 10 in behind the striker. What did you make of their impact? Yeah, I think Grant, especially as I was mentioning earlier, I think he definitely had the biggest impact of our subs, uh, you know, apart from Harren coming on at half time, I felt that he, he just had a, again, whether that's to do with how Rosenberg were setting up second half, but I just felt that he was finding pockets of space in the final third that Laurie wasn't. Laurie was having to come quite deep to get the ball in the first half. Again, because of the issues we had behind him with Benny and Devlin, I felt like he was getting sucked into the middle of the park too much as well. Whereas when we had Denham and Haring on the ball, we felt like we were in the ascendancy and that made it easier for Grant to not worry about the you know, the albeit slightly defensive aspect of playing the number 10 and concentrating more on sort of, you know, pulling players out wide, making space. You could see that that sort of engaged Shanklin more in the last 15, 20 minutes. And certainly, you know, thinking of Sunday, Grant's probably played himself into potentially starting. Maybe not as a number 10, but but certainly in that sort of left-hand position, uh, sort of playing on the wing. What did it say that they chose Aidan Denham, who's 19 years old, to come on for Cammy Devlin just after 70 minutes when the likes of um, the, the the subs on the bench for Hearts included Andy Halliday and others? What did you make of that change? I think they needed someone who was going to focus on wanting to play the ball forward. Uh, so, so Andy Halliday has his, has his strengths as a defensive midfielder, but I wouldn't say having his head up and playing the ball forward would be one of them. I was actually a little bit surprised, you know, when we think about, you know, the, the problem with Alan Forrest's confidence and whether he should be starting games. Andy Halliday is potentially another option there. You mentioned Cochrane, but Halliday as well is somebody who's played that role quite a bit throughout his career and does have a goal threat, albeit he doesn't offer a lot of pace. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that they looked at Denham uh, ahead of Halliday. Uh, and I thought Denham acquitted himself reasonably well. Uh, there was a couple of moments he played a, that in particular there was a good ball that he played into the box, uh, sort of a slide rule pass, and we're just a bit unfortunate that I think Shanklin's first touch didn't come off. Uh, but yeah, he's another one who, you know, given the, the new players that have come in, you would have thought maybe he's going to get put out for another year's loan. I'm going to look to try and develop him elsewhere. But on tonight's showing, you know, he, he showed that he should be in and around the first team action this year. Dan Nelson um, went, he kind of stretched. He was the Canadian left winger and hurt himself. Um, tried to play on, but he was replaced after 74 minutes. And, and he was their main threat at that stage. And once he went off, it was only four minutes um, until Hearts ended up getting the equaliser. And it was the birthday boy providing a wonderful present. Stephen Kingsley 
with that across, it was more picking out an area rather than picking out a person. But Lauren Shankland with a, a super header, and it was 2-1. I wouldn't say it was coming at that stage, but there was certainly more effervescence about the Hearts' performance. And at, when we were 2-0 down, it was like, if we get a goal, if we get a goal, we're right back in it. And we did. So are we right back in the tie? Definitely. 100%. I think, you know, they are they are there to be got at. Uh, I, I was really unimpressed by their team. I really only felt that Nelson was the only one that offered a real threat. Again, I know a lot will be said about the young lad in the centre of the park, uh, but I felt that he was given the freedom of the midfield in the first half due to the problems that we were having. I didn't think he had much of an impact in the second, and I think we could easily suffocate him in Tynecastle with a bit of a tighter park and the atmosphere as well. So I think, you know, if Nelson's got a bit of a twinge, if he's maybe out for a week or two, that would work in our favour because his pace and his threat from, you know, counter-attacks is going to be their main arsenal next mm. week, their main yeah. weapon. Uh, I really do fancy our chances next week. Similar to the Zurich game, it's just about whether we can take our chances and have, you know, better decision-making in terms of individuals when you think about the Zurich game last year. Well, I think a similar performance in the first hour before George Grant got sent off and a little bit more luck. And I think we might be able to get a goal or two in that second leg. But that's all to be discussed next week on Scarves around uh, the funnel. 2-1, it finished in front of you, 11,882. Good to see Liam Boyce come on, got the last six minutes of normal time and the five minutes of added time. So again, whether or not he's played himself into a starting role, um, maybe we've, we've seen the influence that he's had off the bench. So that might be something which we look at for uh, for the second leg or or he might get an hour from the start on on Sunday. So I think he would have taken that. If you if someone had offered you 2-1, I would have liked a 1-1, of course that. I would have loved to have, have gone there and, and got the victory. But if you'd if you'd been offered 2-1 before kickoff in the first leg and told, right, you can start the second leg, but you're 2-1 down in front of a full-time castle, are you taking it? You probably would have done. Would you have taken a 2-1 defeat before kickoff? I probably would have done before I started seeing them. Now that I've seen them in action, I'm I am really disappointed that we've not been able to get a, a more positive result. Is it enough for us to go through? Certainly. You know, I think at two nil, my concern next week would have been that we would have chased the game too early in a manner that would have led to them maybe breaking away and getting a goal. I think now we can be a bit measured. You naturally want to make sure that you get the crowd on side and, you know, you have a very positive start to the game. But we can take our time next week. You know, the first goal doesn't need to come even in the first half. We can sort of, you know, yeah. work away at stretching them, try to tire them out. And again, hopefully we'll have a few more options on the bench similar to Saturday so that if the game isn't going our way, we've got a bit more attacking threat that we can throw on as well. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel. Make some noise. The European special sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. We've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Like hearts, let's try and end well and look ahead to the Kilmarnock game. Now, we had mixed results coming back from Thursday night games in Europe last season. But depending on if Kenneth Vargas's work permit has cleared... We know we'll have Neuenhoff available. We know we'll have Tagawa available. We might as well have Kenneth Vargas available. 
Are you expecting changes for Sunday against Kilmarnock at Tynecastle with Thursday in mind, or does Thursday take care of itself and it should be full focus on Sunday? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see Newenhoff and Tagawa uh, getting a start on Sunday. Uh, as long as it's Newenhoff and that's sort of in six slash eight position. He's not a ten, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to see him playing in that sort of final third. I think it was Joel that mentioned that uh, on the latest podcast and he was talking about the fact that he didn't look comfortable when the game wasn't in front of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that was a, a, a really good observation that he made there. So for me... Playing new and off in that six or eight position, getting to Gawa up front and Shankland in that sort of that deeper role uh, would definitely uh, improve our chances on Sunday. I think Grant probably deserves a an opportunity on the left. We Oda on the right as well, and then you've got the likes of Lowry, potentially Vargas and Boyce and Forrest that you can bring on if need be. Does Shankland need game time to get him fitter than he is right now, or does he need? maybe to come off the bench on Sunday with Thursday in mind? What would you do? I don't know. It's a difficult one. I think his conditioning is a bigger issue if he's the focal point. I think in the deeper role, you can probably get away with him maybe not being at peak fitness. Mm -hmm. But I think having him trying to play on the shouldery players, you definitely need someone who's got a you know, a, a bit more in their legs in terms of, you know, stretching teams. So I think if we were to bring them deeper, I think you can start them Sunday. I think if there's still an issue where they're maybe not wanting to, you know, start Tagawa, then I think they do need to look at someone like Forrest or Vargas or Oda playing further up and having, you know, somebody else in there because I think, yeah, Shanklin definitely doesn't look great as that sort of uh, focal point up top. I think he, he looks a bit forlorn, he looks a bit frustrated. Uh, you could see that in his body language yes. at certain parts tonight and on Saturday. So, yeah, definitely, in terms of his conditioning, I think if you drop him deep, it, it becomes a, you know, a less of an issue. The reason I brought him up is because you you probably named three or four players that didn't start tonight that you would start on Sunday. So I need, I need to replace four because we can't play with 15 on Sunday. So if you are playing the likes of, of George Grant, you are playing Tagawa, you are playing Newenhoff. Obviously, Benny Benningham is not going to play. Uh, he's, he's clearly not ready. He's probably going to be injured as well. Does Devlin start? Is it is it Haring and Newenhoff? What are we... Because let's say we play the same five at the back. The goalkeepers, Ander Clark and, and Atkinson and Kent and Rolls and Kingsley for example, because he's uh, Cochrane is suspended. You've got the two holders in the middle of the park. What, what are you doing there? I think you go with Devlin and Neuenhoff. Eh, sorry, Karing and Neuenhoff. Okay. When you think of Cammy Devlin, you know, he's, his biggest impact on the team is when he's pushing in that final third. And it tends to be against sides that are going to look to play from the back. Now, I think Kilmarnock will probably go pretty much, you know, back to front on Sunday. So for me, I don't think Devlin has the same sort of value or contribution to the team. I think you need cool heads in the midfield. So I think Haran definitely performs that better. Plus, he gives us a bit more in terms of defending set plays, which is probably going to be one of Kilmarnock's biggest threats. So for me, it would be Haring and Newinghoff in that sort of deeper role. Then the three and the one. What are you doing in front of them? So I would have Shanklin playing in the ten. I'd have mm-hmm. Grant playing on the left. I'd have Oda on the right and I'd have Tagawa up top. 
No Lowry? No. I would I would give Lowry twenty to thirty minutes if need be. But I think Grant I think Grant's played himself in there. I think he's done enough. I think it's, it's, you know, last season for George Grant, it was a very frustrating one for him and the fans. I think there was moments and flashes of the player that I think he can be. Did he make some silly mistakes which led to him being out the team? He certainly did on a couple of occasions in terms of being rash and, you know, that that die for the second yellow card against Zurich. But I definitely think he could have offered us something last year, especially when Barry Mackay was going through those spells where he wasn't offering much either. So for me, I'd like to see George Grant get an opportunity on Sunday and I think that'd be a good game for him. Well, what that would do then, it would give us the option of having Boyce on the bench and Lowry on the bench to come on to the pitch because in the first two games of this season, it's the subs that have made an impact and the ability to bring on a game changer like Liam Boyce, who might be ready for 20 or 30 minutes now. And to have someone like Alex Lowry, if you're not starting him and you're playing Grant in front of him, that would certainly give us an opportunity. It was a great result for Kelly. I thought they were excellent for long spells of that game against Rangers. But it is away from home for them. They're not on their plastic pitch. They had mixed fortunes at Tynecastle last season, winning in the League Cup, but losing in... uh, losing in in the league. So they'll provide stiff opposition, but it's a game that Hearts have got to be thinking they're going to win. Yeah, I I mean, there is the apprehensive part of me, which I think is more down to the fact that, historically speaking, over the last decade, Tynecastle's almost been like a home from home for Kilmarnock. They've had quite a number of positive results there. But I do think, in terms of what we can offer with the personnel, I do think we are strong favourites. I think that Kilmarnock will do what they can to win some, you know, if we don't give silly, you know, set plays away in our own half, uh, commit too many fouls in our own in our own area, I think we'll be okay on Sunday. Uh, but we do have to match them for work rate, especially in the midfield. Uh, the likes of Watson and McGuinness, you know, they bring a lot of drive and energy to their midfield. So that's probably going to be the area where we need the likes of Harren and Newenhoff to match that. As we always do on Around the Funnel each week, when we look ahead to the next game, we look for a prediction. Scott McIntosh, what have you got for a scoreline and a Hearts scorer, please? So I'm going to say 3-0 Hearts. I also think... You've been taking the stuff that Dunsar takes that maybe isn't legal. Well, it's still August. I always believe that you should try and be as positive as you can in August. And then, okay, you know, I'm, I'm you, can, that, but... you can be a harbinger of doom from September onwards, if you wish. Yeah. Uh, give us the first Edinburgh Festival weeks of the season. Yes, exactly, exactly. I'm thinking I've got Frankie Boyle this weekend. I've got Simon Amstel. I've got a lot of fun things to look forward to. I'm oh. going to stay positive. So for me, I would go with Shankland, Tagawa and... I'm One's going to enough. say Natty Atkinson. Oh, jeez. I'm going to breathalyse you and then... Put you, <laughs> put you, I'm going to, you need a lawyer, son, because you're going to be found guilty. Uh, what have we got? Hearts against Kilmarnock at home. Um, still think we're susceptible at the back from cross balls and they've got a bit of a threat. Hearts, I think Hearts will win, but it's whether or not we win with a clean sheet. I think Hearts will win 2-1. It's always that kind of... Difficult game in between two European ties. So I'd be more than happy. Any any way to get three points, I would take. But um, I think Hearts will win by two goals to one. And I think Tagawa will get off and running with a debut home goal 
for the Japanese international. So there you go. We've got uh, two predictions for Sunday, both with a positive outcome for the boys in Maroon. And fingers crossed that this time next week on Thursday, it'll be Hearts looking forward to going to either Split or Thessaloniki if they can get the better of Rosenberg in the second leg. At 2-0 down, it didn't look like that was going to be the case. A mountain to climb. But birthday boy, Lawrence Shankland, with 12 minutes remaining, getting on the end of a Stephen Kingsley looping cross and heading it beyond Anders Hansen in the Rosenberg goal. Might not be an away goal as far as when it used to count, but it could be a precious goal for Hearts as they seek to overturn the deficit at Tynecastle when it's packed in Gorgie in seven days' time. My thanks to Scott McIntosh, Laurie and myself, and maybe Ryan will be back at the start of the week to recap the game against Kilmarnock on Sunday and look ahead to the second leg at Tynecastle. Two huge games coming up in Gorgie. As always, full coverage right here on Around the Funnel. Bye for now.